We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? Do you follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. All right, guys. Hello and welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm not going to try to do Pete's usual intro. I'm saving that for Pete. Uh, today, Darius Soriano, the substitute teacher, is in. How are you going to act? Are you are you taking advantage of this to just while out and say crazy stuff? Uh, since dad slash head teacher slash principal is out, or are you going to stay in line? Uh, you tell me. I was a good student in school. I yep. was a good student. So I'm going to keep it aligned with our normal style. But you know, a couple of digs here and there may get in, but no like whoopee cushions on the seats or, <laughs> okay. you know, spit balls while you're up at the board trying to um, draw up today's lesson plan. So, so on that note, what is on deck for yeah. today's pod? Well, so we have an easy reaction to a a game that I think you and I shared a level of sort of missed opportunity slash felt a little sting. I'll let Pete speak for himself, but it didn't seem to bother him quite as much. But I'll start here, Darius. So 13 point lead with two minutes left in the third in the third quarter. And the game almost completely flips on its head from there. There are, are a couple of things that I want to lay out and then l- get your reaction to. So Memphis was missing a few key players in their backcourt uh, that are a big part of the way that they play. Uh, DeAnthony Melton and, uh, I mean, John Conchar as as a reserve, uh, but then Dylan Brooks. So really, with, without Brooks and Melton, they were really depending on Ja um, to almost create and do everything. And the Lakers had that relatively controlled. Uh, like, Ja was really good, but it wasn't until that stretch, and especially with the three-pointers, man. I mean, he has, he has a career night from three, six to seven. That's just not something that you expect. And he gets to the free throw line 12 times. But that aside, like they had it controlled to the point where they had built this lead. And it disintegrated so quickly with an 8-0 run yeah. with LeBron getting some rest and some silly mistakes a lot of stuff happened, but I wanted to get to you first here to see what stood out the most about that stretch and why there's a little bit of sting associated with it for you. 
So two things about that stretch, Mike. I think the first important part is that that was the same unit that was in the game that basically struggled at the end of the first quarter going into the second quarter, right? It was the, in our text thread, we called that like the survival unit. You're you're basically looking to survive there. And in the first half, that group did, did survive. LeBron went to the bench. Um, Memphis started to make a little bit of a push, but the Lakers held, held on. And then actually to start the second quarter, Fisdale kept LeBron out. And that group actually built on the lead. And it was like, oh, they stole some rest for LeBron there. And so Fisdale probably felt a little confident or at least neutral going to that group again. And they did not deliver this time. I thought the momentum really turned right at the end of that quarter where the Lakers had the ball. There was, I think, 26 seconds or 27 seconds on the shot clock when they got the ball. Um, So they're running it down. And Russ went into the post left side of the court. He took that fadeaway jumper, that little step back, and he missed it. But he took it a little early for my taste. And so there was what? I think five, five and a half seconds left on the shot clock. At that point, I think the ball got kicked out of bounds or something like loose ball rebound and it squirted it out. And they inbound to Jaw, and Jaw just races up the court and buries a 30-foot three on the run. And that brought the lead down to five. And so on that 8-0 run, it was that last three, right, that, that brought it to five. Memphis has all of the momentum. And I thought at that point, the Lakers were wobbling there. And it was going to take a big push for them to regain control at the start of the fourth quarter. And they didn't have it. The reason why the game frustrated me, and I'd love to kick it back to you here to see if we're on the same page with this. But when you're up 13, like I don't think any of us expected the Lakers to win this game. But to that point where they were up 13, they looked like the clearly superior team, just in terms of how they were playing that night. And to have it sort of unravel the way that it did was was frustrating to me, especially since some of it was self-inflicted. And then we can get into some of the mistakes that we might have both seen in the fourth quarter. But I want to kick it to you here about just the third quarter and what your general feel was as it started to slip away. And were you concerned at the end there of the third well, period? I was concerned even before Memphis had started to cut into the lead in part because the reason the Lakers were up that much is that in part is that LeBron was just banging hard jump shots, contested threes, contested fadeaway twos. And that was a big part of how they built their lead. Now they had some other things go their way as well. Like Monk was efficient again. And I mean, despite really not getting much off the bench, aside from Stanley Johnson with a a quick little seven points that there, it was really a lot of it was on LeBron and he wasn't doing it in the typical LeBron fashion where at at least a good part of his diet is coming at the rim. And when I, so I, I looked up and, and I was, I was thinking like, man, LeBron is not really driving much. Well, clearly he's, he's having some issue with legs from the back to back because of how much he had to do in Houston. And also because of how much he's had to do during this ridiculous stretch where he's scoring 30 every night and the Lakers really are just plugging the rotation with random uh, fill in pieces. And so like his ask in the toll on him is even higher than it's been. So that was one thing. Then another one of the key players that's been, you know, offensively really good all year struggled on defense. Carmelo Anthony clearly didn't have his legs. That's right. And so 
that worries me too going into the second half. And I'm thinking, well, Memphis is rested, right? They're a little bit, they're a little bit choppy because they're missing key rotation guys and because they just got back from a road trip in which they beat Phoenix and were feeling pretty good about themselves. So they're gonna come at some point. Like they're really gonna turn on the Jets and they're gonna come. But I thought that when that when that Johnson three goes in and they go up 13, that was the first time where I thought, all right, that's that's a cushion. Like, that's a nice cushion. LeBron can come in after his rest, Darius, and ride this one out. But what I found, since he wasn't able to kind of – if you don't have something established in an NBA game, it's hard to just get it going at some point. Yeah. You know? And so his his drive game, his finish game, especially with Adams and Jackson in there, I just didn't know if that was going to be there. So how are the Lakers going to get really good shots once Memphis cut into that lead? So that was the first part of the game where my alarm bells went off, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Well, the other thing to think about with with Braun Mike is he, there's few players as good as him, right? And maybe none in terms of feeling out the game and deciding this is the approach this, that is working for me. And so I'm going to continue to work on that path, right? And so coming into Memphis, they're already a massive team, right? The, like. The Lakers changed their starting lineup from the night before. They they go to Dwight in order to better match up with 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 Stephen Adams. And and we should speak on Dwight just briefly. He was great in that first half and was really a catalyst in helping the Lakers establish that lead that they got. And and so Braun is probably already thinking like this is going to be a jump shooting game for me, right? He's got Adams in there. He's got Triple J in there. Memphis had a lot of guards out, but pretty much all of their big man rotation was was pretty much intact, right? Like they've still got um they've like they've still got Tillman, they've still got Clark. Those are their rotation big men. And so Braun is probably thinking, okay, I'm gonna get my jumper going this game and see how that goes. And the jumper's falling for him. And so when you're talking about being able to conjure a part of your game that you necessarily haven't been been going to. I think that's an excellent point and also speaks to what LeBron's calculus was within the game about what he was going to do in order to beat this Memphis team. And I think a lot of it was, I'm going to shoot outside shots. I'm going to go into the post some, but that's mostly to draw help and maybe shoot the fade. And he had a lot of success doing that. But as we get into the fourth quarter, and and maybe we should go to break here, um, I thought it was there were some choices there that were made, and I think the team became over reliant on Braun needing to hit the types of jumpers that he had been hitting to that point in the game in order to win. And there's a reason for that. We'll get into why, uh, and it involves somebody that we've been we've been talking or kind of wanting to spend a little bit more time on, and we'll get to him next. Lakers basketball is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. 
Are you looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic? Why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 40% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code FILMROOM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code FILMROOM. All right, so Taylor Horton Tucker is a big part of this. And it's not just THT because they didn't have Austin Reeves, for example, who could be back next game. Uh, We'll tease that for a little bit later in the pod. They didn't have that one other guy to bring in because on our text thread, it's like, all right, Melo's got to come out of the game. He's too tired. And you're like, well, who should go in? And I'm, I, I said, well, Monk, oh, he's already in. Okay. And then you're looking down the bench. Well, do you bring Darren Collison back in? And, and you're, the fact that we have to have that conversation in part to me is because of THT's ongoing struggle. So let's, let's get you going here on this. What is the current state of THT for you and how – how is how is he going to start to get out of this if you if you see that coming? The how he's going to get out of it part is tricky. So I'd love to have more dialogue with you about that. But what I'm seeing from him is a player who is struggling with what he thinks is or isn't going to work for him on any given possession. And I think that that's resulting in him being in his head a little bit too much and it's impacting his decision making on any given possession. And it's almost like he is playing a guessing game with himself and he's guessing wrong on way too many possessions about shoot pass. There was a play that Pete talked about on the last pod against the Rockets where THT had a smaller guy on him. He already had him beat with a shoulder. All he really had to do was power up and go to the basket, but he's not even looking at the basket. He's looking, he's already looking to drive and kick. And that sort of thought process that is in his head about what, what is the right play to make? I think that his judgment isn't there yet. And it's impacting all of these things. The other part I would say too, Mike, is that that frustration with him is carrying over to the defensive side of the ball where he is gambling a bit more. He is then getting upset with the referees because he's getting called for fouls that he doesn't think that he's committing. And then he feels like he's getting fouled and he's not getting the calls that he thinks he should be getting. And so he feels like a very frustrated player right now who is also second guessing his own game. And that's a couple of different holes that he needs to dig himself out out of. And I'm actually not sure what is the best way to get out of it first. I do know he needs to play because you don't improve from this type of slump just by sitting on the bench and watching. He needs some minutes. And on top of that, the Lakers are so shorthanded, they need him to be in the game. But 
it's a tricky thing for him to navigate right now. And it's impacting the Lakers. They need his production. He's the fourth highest paid player. He They depend on him and he hasn't been able to deliver lately. The first thing that I think could actually help some is that he's going now from a starting role the last couple of weeks and now he's coming off the bench and he's staggered with at least Westbrook and LeBron together. Now, one of those guys is probably going to be on the floor with him, but those were the times... And I think the concept once he came back was THG is bigger than any other wing that we have aside from uh, from Trevor Ariza, who is not playing yet. And therefore, let's just see, like, let's give him 15, 20 games and see how he can hold up defensively on the wing on taking on that assignment. And I'm not saying that he completely failed that because he didn't. He had some moments, certainly, especially on the ball. But that is it is trying to shoehorn him into a spot. And then. On the other end of the floor, he's just not going to have enough possessions where it's the smart idea for him to go on an individual foray into the paint and trying to take the other team off the dribble when you've got LeBron just sitting there or you've got Russ sitting there. To that point, THT is self-aware enough to understand that too, Mike. He's not looking to dance with the ball and go one-on-one a ton when he's playing next to LeBron and Russ. And so I do think that that is playing into his decision-making some. Of course. And and yet that means that he's basically left to be a spot up shooter in some parts, which is not the best part of his game right now. That's a place where he's really struggled this season in shooting the basketball. And now you can start to see I think I think a couple things played into that. One is the is trying to become this new player that he's not and that he's never been. And part of it is that he hurt his thumb on his shooting hand. And he came back and he's supposed to just suddenly find a nice shooting rhythm from that. So all of these things are going against THD this year. None of these things have been optimal for him. And he's also the guy that just turned 21. So I actually feel for him. He had COVID, Mike. He had COVID. And he had COVID. Yeah. Yes. And so he came back right when he was starting to catch a rhythm. He gets COVID. And then he's out. And then when he comes back, they're just like, yeah, how about you play 30 minutes tonight and be our third best player because Anthony Davis is out and the rest of the team has COVID too. So they're like, hey, here's a whole plate of stuff. Take care of this stuff for us. We need a wing stopper. We need a guy who can score for us. We need a guy who can play 30 minutes a game. We need this. We need that. And I feel like that frustration is building in him because he hasn't been able to fill the role that they're putting on his plate. And this is the trick between a team that's developing, like take the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're only putting Shea Gilgis-Alexander and a couple of their other young guys, Josh Giddy, into situations that they think are going to be the most beneficial for them as they move forward in their careers, even at the expense of winning games. But of course, the Lakers can't do that. And not only because they not only need to win games because of where they're at and because of the guys that are on their roster, but they don't have they haven't had enough guys just there being able to play that they've had the luxury of using somebody just for developmental purposes. They need him to fill this spot and to actually play well in it. So uh, I just I'm trying to lay out and I, I think that as you did, too, these are absolutely not optimal situations for THT. And therefore, we do have to cut him some requisite level of slack. But and here's the key part as we move forward now. If he if he continues to struggle like this, yeah, then all of a sudden you're getting into the point of what like what do you have to do to mitigate that if it's not helping the team win some of these games? And those things are at a crossroads. I think there can be a happy medium there. I, like I, I do think, again, him coming off the bench, 
getting some guys back, not needing him to do certain things that uh, he like, don't be the guy that is the weak side shooter in, in most lineups, at least when you've got monk, you've got Ellington, you know, you've got a couple of guys that can be out there uh, and give him the basketball in a couple of situations off the bench where you are featuring the things that, that can work for him. And then once that gets him going, his whole game should round out a little bit. Yeah. And for him personally, I think he does need to sort of take take a breath for himself and probably go back and watch some film of himself right from before the COVID and more when that period when LeBron was out and see what was working for him and get back some of that good mojo about like this is the type of player that I am because he's so much better than this Mike like he's catching a lot of flack right now like on Lakers Twitter and and I think the general feeling around him is that he's underperforming or that he's not very good and he's definitely underperforming but he's so much better than this this version of him is just a player who is sort of a shell of what we know that he's capable of and so I do think putting him back in some optimal situations, situations where he can be on ball a little bit more, situations where he can start to find a little bit more of a rhythm because you've seen a couple of flashes here and there with a couple of finishes. He had a couple of finishes against Houston. He had another couple against Memphis, but he's also missing more at the rim. And 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 so the mistakes that he's making and then some of the frustration fouls and it's snowballing on him a little bit. I said it last night in the text thread, but he just needs a stretch where more things go right for him in order to sort of build some of that momentum back so that he could start to regain some of that confidence in in his game. But you're right. At some point, like the rubber hits the road, right? And he's going to have to perform well in the role that's asked of him. And they can reduce the ask. They can bring him off of the bench. But as Reeves comes back, for example, and then as Ariza comes back, then there and then depending on what happens with Stanley Johnson there is a little bit more potential on the wing now to fill some of the role that they're asking from THT just to tie a bow on the THT thing because and you already set up the next segment which uh, uh which which was great so you you really are on best behavior today you're not taking advantage of, uh, of the substitute teacher by any means so LeBron James doesn't need continuity to be great because he's LeBron freaking James. But guys that are younger in the league and or just role players, those are the guys that benefit from continuity and to an extent from systems. So THT, I think, can benefit as the Lakers start to get a couple of pieces back as they maybe get their head coach back. And so coming up, uh, we're going to get into Frank Vogel potentially returning and Austin Reeves getting cleared for health and safety protocols plus Kent Bazemore, which basically just leaves Ariza and Anthony Davis. So how all that ties into how the Lakers are playing, um, what they can do against Portland and how some of the stuff that didn't work against Memphis might, uh, we will get to that next. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so we got the alert, Darius, that Austin Reeves had cleared protocols, uh, that Kent Bazemore had cleared protocols. They, we found out yesterday morning, but they did not join the team in Memphis um, as they were behind, I think, doing some conditioning and essentially getting back up to speed for Friday. So Frank Vogel, we don't have anything uh, official yet there um, as to if he cleared protocols. That, that's my hope that he does. I think it's that time on the clock. And, and by the way, uh, Darius, I can, I can break uh, my own news here. I have cleared health and safety protocols. Um, So your boy uh, will be back at the game on Friday. And I just think that even getting Austin Reeves back could go a long way towards what the Lakers are looking for from a rotational standpoint, uh, from having another connective piece, which Johnson actually has come in and kind of done that a little bit. But Ariza, as Pete has been talking about, Ariza and Reeves have the chance to do that. So how? Why? Like what? Where will we see that in the including in Friday's game? Reeves is just one of those guys, Mike, that he checks so many boxes. And and we talked about this on recent pods, but there's a couple of different players on the team that can fit into any of the different styles and any of the different lineups that the Lakers want to play. And Reeves is one of those guys. He he is a guy who does not take a lot off of the table. And his ability to play as a connective player, both as a ball handler, as a shooter, as a passer, and a ball mover, as a defender. So he's one of the few like real two-way players that's going to compete hard on both ends and have success. Pete put up a graphic, this was maybe a week ago, so you could find it on his Twitter timeline, about players' individual net rating in two-man 
pairings, right? And so it's basically a list of every player that's on the roster on the left-hand side and across the top. And it'll show you what the net rating is for those two players when they're on the court. And Reeves basically had a positive net rating with nearly every player that he's played with on the roster. And I think that speaks to his versatility. I think it speaks to his ability to fit into productive lineups and be someone who is helping. Getting him back does help slot the rest of the players appropriately because you can put him in to any lineup and he's going to provide useful skills and put those on the table that allows other people to play more to their strengths. And that's what good role players do. Great point about Reeves. And I'm just, I'm thinking of it also in this context where if on offense, you need somebody that a is going to be respected as a shooter. And that's where right now Reeves will have that over THD and over Stanley Johnson. But He's not going to be somebody that can be taken advantage of on defense, even if teams try to, which they continue, will continue to just because of how he looks. But he's held up well, most recently in the Dallas game, of course, that he was really good in and ultimately hit the game winning shot on. So he's one of the guys where you've got like you've got Monk and you've got Ellington um, who have have their value on offense, especially. And then you've got Johnson and THT who've got their value in terms of overall athleticism and certainly on the defensive end, but Reeves and then I'll put a reason in as well. Once he gets back from health and safety protocols are two of the guys where you don't necessarily feel like you've got to take them off the court in certain situations. And that's what the Lakers had Darius in the previous couple of seasons in guys like KCP or Danny green or Coos or Caruso, like the guys that were, you, you just were cool. Okay. Yep. Playoff game, big moment. I don't have to look down the bench and be like, man, is this team going to go at this guy? And and I really do already feel that way about Reeves. And and that's big. I think that says a lot. It's so crazy. He's an undrafted rookie. Yeah. And he has just earned the trust of Frank Vogel and earned the trust of the coaching staff. And he is a player who can viably close a game. If that is a part of your profile on this Lakers team, then you have that right sort of game because you would think it's easy to play with stars, but it's not always easy to play with stars. And there's a reason why not every role player sticks on a great team. It's because they don't necessarily have the requisite set of skills to slot in between the best players on any given team. And Reeves, I think, just happens to fit between Russ and LeBron and when he gets back, Anthony Davis. And I think Ariza's that same way. And there isn't that same like replication of skill sets that you have with like a THT where, oh, Reeves needs to be on the ball. He can play on the ball, but that's not what he has to do. He also opens up parts of the playbook that the Lakers have not been as successful at using, like those guard to LeBron ball screens where then it's Reeves who goes into the short role and he's the one who is then making a play out of that because you trust him in the middle of the court to make the right passing read. So I am anxious to get Reeves back. I am also want to make sure that we're being cautious about the asks that we put onto him as he comes out of health and safety protocols. We just talked about THT, Mike, and he has not looked the same 
since he came back from COVID. And I think it's folly to sit here and expect guys to just hit the ground running when they come back after not really touching a basketball for 10 days, 14 days. And, yeah. and Reeves has been out for a little while. So, all right, let me let me now I usually try to avoid doing this, but it's it's apropos. So I'll try to just relay since I just mentioned I came out of health and safety protocols. Um, so I obviously had COVID last week and the one area where I felt it and I was boosted and vaxxed and all that. So for the most part, I felt fine. Uh, but there was one day and this was last Thursday. And the only time I really left my house was to like take the trash out. And I realized, especially since Christmas was coming up, I was like, okay, this is a problem because I forgot to get a certain amount of the boxes into the recycle. And if that, if I don't get this bin empty, you know, we're talking about heaps of stuff outside my garage. And so, so I go out there and I see, and I just missed the recycle, the truck for the recycling by like 30 seconds. And so I run out the house and run down the hill uh, and with like dragging the the barrel behind me and and I have and I managed to get a mask on in time and I, I, I stepped away so I wasn't anywhere near the um the garbage man um who's my guy and I back away and, and, he's, and he sees me running so I kind of stop whatever point is I get it in there then I live on this big hill and so I go back up the hill and all of a sudden again I had barely felt anything but I I felt like my lungs were on fire and that to me is, is I've read some of this. I know this is a part of what, of what this disease, that's a part of what it's hitting, at least with Omicron and at least with, um, if you're vaccine boosted. So I can just imagine now, again, I'm, I'm 40 years old. Uh, I am not in NBA shape, sure, but I'm in decent shape. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm just thinking we haven't talked about that kind of thing at all for some of these guys that are coming back and especially some of the bigger players. So I just want to touch on that point and whether it's THT or whether it's Reeves coming back. And, and if these guys do, you know, need a little time to get over it, over it, because this thing does linger. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why it was originally 10 days. So I just want to put that on the table. Well, also too, Mike, like not everyone's the same. And, and so everyone's response to this isn't going to mirror the best outcome that we've seen. So right. DeRozan, like for example. Yeah. Yes. And so Monk has been a great example for the Lakers. He's come back and he's looked like his yep, regular totally self. Fine. The Lakers saw this on the other side of the court. The Bulls hadn't played in a week. DeRozan, I think, came out of protocols, what, like two days before they played the Lakers. And then DeRozan came out and was just like, yeah, I'm going to give y'all a 40, like a 40 burger, like it's nothing. Right. And that's the best case scenario. There are other scenarios that are not going to look like that at at all. And so looking forward, I just want to make sure that and maybe this is a good place to to close the pod that that we continue to be patient with the players, but also understand that there is a little bit of urgency out there. The Lakers do need to continue to work their habits and understand that the they are, I think, Mike, refining their process and starting to improve and find ways that they can that they can compete well within the structure of this version of the team. And and getting guys back is going to help that. But it's not going to be this like master solution all in one day where suddenly, oh, well, everyone's back except for A.D. and Ariza and none. Right. Who hasn't played yet at, at all. And so things should be great. Like like. 
I'm still looking at process stuff more than than results, even though to bring it back to the start of the pod, the result of this game did sort of irk me. The last thing I want to thought on is just Vogel. Uh, what now again we don't know for a fact yet maybe by the time this comes out we will but if he'll be there but uh, what can getting Vogel back you're somebody that I think does a great job of, of looking at what coaches do I'm super excited to get Vogel back I think that Pete mentioned this on 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 the, the last pod and I think it's 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 spot on I do think that the team is trending in the right direction in terms of some of the personnel groupings and the approach that they've been playing in terms of going smaller with a lot more LeBron at center. Um, but I have missed some of Vogel's in-game defensive adjustments. I have missed some of the just steadiness that he brings on on uh, the sideline. I know that he is in constant communication with the coaching staff, and Fisdale mentions him multiple times, every media availability. So, so I know that they're all on the same page in well, in terms of what what to do. But Vogel's been manning the sideline for two and a half seasons now. He has a feel for this group of players, especially with LeBron, right? And and some of the holdover guys. And if there's a thing I've always liked about Vogel, and you understand this firsthand from your dealings with him, Mike, is that he is such a good communicator. He is such an empathetic and thoughtful thinker when it comes to how he manages a group of guys that that's what I'm most looking forward to having back in terms of the leadership. And now they'll have their, basically their full staff back, right. In terms of the guys who we think of as, as front of the bench guys. And, and, and so if Vogel's back, then you slide Fizdale back over and then you've got, um, you've got Phil, Phil handy there. That's the brain trust of the coaching staff. They haven't had their video guys. Uh, by the I, way, I, the, yeah, right. Yeah. So there's Which a lot. A I think yeah. that Vogel's going to bring back to to the table. I know that he can be maligned by a certain segment of fans, but I think we undervalue him as a fan base in general. And and, and so I'm going to be very happy when he's back and hopefully he's able to clear protocols within the next day or so. All right, Darius, you get an A uh, for the day. You definitely stayed on track. You lived up to your reputation as a great student uh, in the past. Thanks, everybody, for hanging with us. Next time we record, Pete will be with us. Yes, Pete will be back, and he will give you a what's up at the beginning. And, and exactly. so, exactly. So I thought about it. I just didn't. You know, I, that's his thing, you know? Yeah, uh, no, just, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Look, we're going to let Pete do what Pete does, and we're going to do that's our right. own thing. And so, you know, the part I will do, though, is whenever we are back, we'll be back to cover it all right here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. See you. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it!
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.